BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Tony Dunn, and not to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. <laughs> Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions. Only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. Welcome in, Panther fans. We've got a special edition of the C3 Beat Check tonight as we get ready to preview or as we prepare for the Carolina Panthers to host the Indianapolis Colts. The Panthers are coming off of their first victory. They're going to be, I guess, going against a team that in some respects there should be a fighting chance to um, contend and maybe even win this game here. But Turns out the Colts are pretty feisty this season. So we're going to try to get to know the Colts today. Thanks for tuning in to the C3 Panthers podcast. Uh, go ahead, smash the thumbs up button, subscribe. I'd like to welcome in our guest, Lawrence Owen, host of Believe in Colts. Welcome to the C3 Panthers podcast. Hey, appreciate you reaching out and having me on, man. Anytime. Excellent, man. Uh, CK in the house. Dog whistle, CK. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, no. maybe it's gone. Maybe it's gone. I don't know. Uh, it's just random at this point in time. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I'm happy to be here, and uh, it's interesting. It's nice to pick the uh, the brain of uh, somebody who is able to have a lot more insight on the opposing team that we're going to be facing this week. And happy to have you here, Lawrence. The C three beat check is our opportunity to look outward. We spend hours and hours, particularly on Tuesday nights, breaking down the Carolina Panthers. Uh, to every single play, every single emotion, every single, uh, I guess, phys- like uh, body language to anything. But sometimes we get so inwardly focused looking in the mirror, we uh, need a little help uh, looking outward to the teams that we're going to be playing. So the C3 Beat Check is our opportunity to catch up with an expert of the opposing team. And this week we're hosting the Colts. Man, uh, the Colts, better than expected, Right. I mean, or is that me? Is that me on the outside thinking, hey, look, two teams right now, some similarities between the Carolina Panthers and the Colts, right? One, Frank Reich coming from the Indianapolis Colts is now our coach. Two, new coaching staffs for both of these teams. Three, started with rookie uh, quarterbacks. Unfortunately, Anthony Richardson has gotten uh, his out for the season injury, even though we're big fans of Anthony Richardson because we like Cam Newton and he reminds us of Cam Newton so much. 
But would you say, Lawrence, that you are pleasantly surprised with the way this new staff and this team has performed this season? Well, I'm one of those rare few people that felt like if everything after after going through every training camp on the sidelines watching the team, you know, entering the season, I was like, I think this team can win between six and nine games this year. You know, uh, Anthony Richardson was much more far along than I expected. Right. Uh, especially did anybody uh, expected, arguably, uh, he was while well, sitting there watching, you know, on the side of like he, he dissects defenses. He reads defenses pretty good. He's so good in the pocket. Right. Amazingly good at avoiding pass rush and navigating and things of that nature. But he was, you know, he did have the accuracy issues. It was very, very, very apparent, you know one minute he could have the greatest pass you've ever seen in your life. And then the next minute you're like, how did you miss that wide open shot? (laughs) We know the feeling, bro. (laughs) That's Cam Cam Newton's story, brother. Yep. Yep. Um, But we actually, a little bit of a disappointment, the biggest disappointment, obviously losing Anthony Richardson for the season due to shoulder injury. It sucks, you know, not just for, you know, this year and, 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 and what the Colts might have been, but for his development, right. As through the rookie season, um, really, really is going to hamper him in his development quite a bit, but the injuries and the complete just dismantling of the Indianapolis Colts secondary over the last four weeks has just completely obliterated our pass defense. I mean, it is totally off. We have given up 28 or more points in the last three weeks. Well, you're facing a good team. To be honest, is that this is a team right now with the Carolina Panthers that have not had a particularly effective downfield um, passing attack. So, fortunately your weakness is not our greatest strength, but maybe this is an opportunity for the the team to get back on track. Let's do a little roll call real quick. Tim Estes, C three D's skills, Daniel Barry sports highlights, Jordan Roberts, West underground, underground West, Seth Robert Robinson, all in the house. Welcome to the C three beat check. As we catch up with Lawrence Owen, host of believe in Colts podcast. Um, I was reading on The Athletic today is that, I mean, look, as you guys played the Saints, um, I picked the Colts to go, to take care of business. Unfortunately, couldn't get it done. And largely because of a giant conversion pass by Chris Olave. Well, I think it was Carr to Olave. But on this corner who kind of got burnt, beat, left on an island. And I think that's hinting at what you're talking about is this guy – According to the athletic and the story I was reading, you know, he wasn't even mentioned by the GM weeks ago or last week. And then all of a sudden he finds himself out there playing and and having to go head to head with Olave. Was that is is that just uh, him getting scorched? Is that um, or is that a sign that, man, you really the defensive coaching is going to have to really start to take into consideration how those injuries are impacting their performance? That's a really good question. Something that I have, uh, we've talked about obviously on our review of the game um, this past week. And in reality, 
when you have practice squad guys out there playing starting corner, you know, who haven't been with the other starters, you know, on the team. And I'm not just, we have rookies and second year guys all over the place. You know, we started the season off with two second year guys that had a total of 77 snaps in the NFL at starting corners, both outside corners were starting like that. Um, so we, we start off like that and, 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 and they were doing okay the first few weeks, you know, they, they were getting to know each other in the scheme and getting to trust each other. And then injury happened and then injury happened and then injury happened. And now we got practice squad guys, guys that we picked up off the street, you know, being backups, you know, and, and things of that nature. And no one knows each other back there. You know, there's like two or three guys that you just don't know much about and the rest of the team don't know them. The, they're still learning the scheme. And when you're playing a zone scheme, it's not like playing a man scheme. When a, in a zone scheme, you got to be able to trust everybody around you, know how you hand off people from zone to zone, things of that nature. And when you're brand new like that, you're going to have massive breakdowns. Like we saw th- three or four really big coverage meltdowns uh, in, in this past week against the Saints. And the question that you brought up, you know, is it the players or is it the coaching? You know, because in, in or maybe honesty, I, I guess kind of what I'm even asking is like, is that at some point you have to recognize the players you have and that inexperience of them, the mm-hmm. limitations of them, and you have to account for that. So, and you have to adjust your style maybe of defense. Do you see the Colts looking at this last game and saying, we got to be more careful here? I wish. Uh, something else I said in our review. You know, that Gus needs to realize these guys are young. They don't know the scheme. You know, they will play immediately better if they went man. Every corner knows how to play man, right? Every quarter comes out of college knowing how to play man coverage. It's just not hard. It's cover the dude in front of you. You know, uh, you got to be good, though. You got to yeah, be good. Yeah. But at the same time, not every corner comes out of the college being able to play zone well, you know, at all. It's interesting. I've a CK as a, for us, that's kind of crazy to hear because the Panthers have never run. I mean, I guess we were trying to get to a man scheme in the secondary, right. but J.C. Horn has just been hurt for his entire career. We've been in a zone defense for like 20 years. Yeah, totally. Right. We've been in a zone defense since uh, about, what, 20, uh, 2018, 2019, somewhere around in there. So, yeah. I it's, get you. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had Matt Eberflus before we had Gus Bradley. So they were pretty much, you know, exactly the same defensive mind, in my opinion. Uh, one, one's a, uh, uh, a student of the other. So it's um, interesting because we're both coming off of a, a similar situation with not having Stefan Gilmore come back to the team. Um, damn it. If, if it's a, if it's a, a similar situation to us, a lot of, there's always the conversation, was it, that we didn't want him back or was it that he didn't want to come back to the team uh, because he was going somewhere else, maybe to make more money with Indianapolis, um, maybe be more competitive. um, And, uh, and, you know, you guys are now in a similar boat needing a secondary and, and now he's down in Dallas doing, you know, Stefan Gilmore things down there. Um, And uh, it's, it's painful, man, to see him still go out there and ball out, especially him being a hometown team, a hometown uh, fan of the Panthers and, not being able to get him on this team, especially with the injury things we had going on. I can only imagine how you guys feel being decimated just like we are. It's 
do you do you get the feeling that it was a um a Stefan Gilmore decision or a uh Ballard decision? Well, I talked to Gilmore um what in December uh of last year and we we, we sat down, we had a nice long conversation. He's looking to win a ring, right? So I am 100% sure that this was a Gilmore went to Ballard and was like, look, can you do me a solid here? You're you're going to go with a rookie quarterback. You're obviously not, you know, thinking of, of making a Super Bowl this upcoming season. You know, you're, you're going to be a lot of different changes. You're going to have a different head coach. Can you do me a solid and send me to somewhere where, you know, they might have a shot, you know, that that, that have Super Bowl aspirations. That's That's where I'm getting that from. And Ballard's that kind of guy, right? I mean, the, the GM for the Colts, he's that kind of guy. He's like, you know what? Sure. And, and, and to be fair, you know, a lot of Colts fans are upset about that. So you shouldn't have let him go. You should have just kept him. But that speaks volumes to other players in the NFL during free agency, right? If, if, if a GM not only is was willing he still to pay under contract? Dollar, huh? Was he still under contract? Or was yes, he? he was oh, so he did a two year, year deal with yes. you guys? Yes. Okay. He was okay. he was under contract for uh, he was signed last year for a two year deal. Okay. And um, yeah, so uh, if a GM is willing to, you know, hey, you don't want to be here, you don't want you want to go to a contender that's going to utilize you, maybe go get a Super Bowl ring. Particularly you know, when you're like a Hall no. of Fame corner, almost, yeah. and like uh, you know, that is a that's doing a, a tip of the cap to a vet that's been in the league. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I don't understand. I mean, I get that hurt our secondary massively because <laughs> Gilmore last year played solid. He's playing solid again this year for the Cowboys. You know, uh, I feel like he he played well with the Panthers, you know, while he was there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's great, dude. He's a I man. He's a great player. Uh, yeah. And it's like it's, he's not aging out yet. No, uh, he's, I don't he's, I still am unconvinced that he would have that it was a money thing in Carolina. I'm still. Maybe it was, but like I feel like that's always been on his agenda is to be on a good team and get paid. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. I got to ask you this before we really get into the nitty gritty of how this matchup could look. Have you succumbed to the gravitational pull of Gardner Minshew's drip? I like Gardner Minshew. I like his, I mean, he's got a great personality. Yeah, dude, he's like I call him White Cam, and not because he put everybody's like he's not Cam, he's not Cam. No, not the play, man. The swag, the, the drip. Swag. Yes, God, he's got yeah. great style. He's cool as shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, and he balls out, dude, for who he is. Yeah, I mean, you, you tend to forget though. He's like six one, or no, or six foot, something like that. He's, yeah, he's, he's not, not a, a very guy. big quarterback. He's not a big guy back at the quarterback position. Um. But you can see the confidence that he has when he's back there, you know, behind the line, you know, in, in the huddle, things of that nature. Uh, even when he's talking to reporters, you know, you can see yeah. how much confidence he has in himself and his ability. And I like it. I like that confidence. You have um, to have it. If you're going to play quarterback, you can't play scared. Nope. Nope. You absolutely cannot. Right. Um, even if you're not great, you know what I'm saying? Is like you, I mean, if you're not, and look, it's, he's not going to be the greatest quarterback, but he has outplayed a lot of dudes in this league. Oh, yes. In some really interesting situations. He just has two problems that one 
is he a gets little flustered bit sometimes when he gets flustered he starts looking down and around yeah a little bit a little bit uh when, when, when he's when he's trying to avoid sacks he's not looking downfield he's looking yeah. for an escape route yeah right um it looks like and, baker mayfield in those moments yeah and in and, and that type of situation um and the other thing right now i, I don't know if it's Look, the turnovers he's had the last three weeks, I don't think that's a traditional thing for, for Minshew, mm-hmm. right? Uh, no, because they've just, been late. You've been trying to come back. and You know, it's yeah. like you have to force it downfield. Like, so I think one pick was uh, two weeks ago against the Browns, and that was right after they had just come back and he had, taken he had the a lead. Couple from, fail on him in that game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he's also – he's had like four strip sacks, right, in the last three weeks. So – that's that's an issue yeah he's got to protect the ball better when he's yeah. maneuvering in the pocket uh but his biggest issue in my opinion is he look he in order for him to throw with any kind of power he's got to be able to step up into the throw yeah right so uh you you gotta have really good centers and guards in front of you so that there's no defensive tackle or or you know someone that's pushing the pushing the pocket in on him because he absolutely in order for him to put the ball between defenders, he's got to step into it. He ain't got that arm, just pure raw arm. Yeah, yeah. That a lot of quarterbacks. Man, that's why he's undrafted. I think he was undrafted. He might have gone late, actually. I can't remember if he went. Yes, I was actually on the Believe in Panthers pod (laughs) yesterday. Yes. Um, So, yeah, the reason I bring up Gardner Minshew is first, I love him. Right. I love his I love his swag. I love his drip. Uh, Didn't you you go mustache only just to be uh garden uh, Minshew mania you were you yeah. were all on the Minshew magic yeah dude. yeah because he, was, he uh he went to East Carolina momentarily in a in a weird time in our school history and like and we went our stupid ass school uh, like and I forget who was I think we had just gone to Scotty Montgomery at that time and who was actually a coach for the Colts last year I think Scotty Montgomery was yes the running back uh, yeah and and it was just like we made the wrong. We went with this other candidate, and Minshew was like, after sitting, he, I mean, he kind of sat for a little while. He's like, screw this, I'm out of here. And then he went and played well. Where I forget where he went after that. But, uh, yeah, big fan of Minshew. I like his style, and I like the way he plays. You know, he outplays his he outplays his ability, you know, his physical yeah. abilities. You, you see guys out there that have all the physical tools, that have all the traits, but also have had every situation – They've been the five-star recruits. They've been the on the greatest teams and all of this. And sometimes they don't play to what that ability could afford. Gardner Minshew outplays it. So I love that. All right, let's talk about this. Is beyond the secondary. How do the Panthers match up against the Colts in your mind? In your mind. Well, first off, look, um, I think your wide receivers, especially Adam Thielen and D- DJ Chart, will have a day we've already talked you know, shark man sucks dude no not against indy he won't i'm telling you god i not hope have so. the speed to cover him he has not been able to get off the line a single it's, damn time this season we never play bad. press coverage yeah well, that's gonna okay. be bad for adam thielen that's gonna be great for adam thielen yeah i don't think it's gonna be great for the rest of the so here's the the issue you run into is our separation with our wide receivers are abysmal against even some of the worst dbs in the in the league 
Um, well, I will say that Adam's going to have a, a monster day because Adam's a veteran that can find the soft spots and zones. If they're not doing yeah. press coverage, they're going to allow because his his specialty this year has been short to intermediate. So um, his average uh, yards per catch are around about ten, um, whereas most number one wide receivers in the league uh, on a team are averaging anywhere between fifteen to eighteen. So Adam Thielen is absolutely. Um, just that dink and dunk. He is a safety valve for Bryce Young, and he's the only consistently getting open player on our entire team. Um, and he doesn't drop the ball, which is also a, a very positive thing. Um, so, yeah, I think Adam Thielen very well could be in for a game. I think even Tommy Trimble, who has somehow uh, uh, come out as being our best tight end, even with Hayden Hurst on the team, um, he's showed out the last couple of weeks, and he's got some speed. He's got some good separation, actually. So if those two guys can find a way to take advantage of that, uh, that, you know, that zone coverage that, that, uh, that, that, you know, you guys have been running, I think that that could be a big day for those two guys. But I can tell you right now, I'm not expecting Chark and I'm not expecting Mingo to be a big factor in this game. uh, Even when they have played against some of the worst DBs in the league. I will say now, look, the Colts have got a long history against Shark, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jaguars, right? Yeah. Shark is always burn us. Always. Yeah. Always. Guess who was his quarterback when he did that? Carter Minshew. There you go. <laughs> right? And, so. and, and and that's the thing. You know, he's a speed guy. And look, you know who burned us the worst last week? It wasn't Olave. It was Shahid. Oh, it was Shahid. The, yeah. Yeah. Because of his speed. Right? Yeah. And everybody's like, who's this dude? Well, he's got speed. And we have young guys that ain't real fast anymore, you know? So yeah, we we're going to get hit by speed. I think if shark can come down with the ball, he's going to make plays. I'll, I'll guarantee it. CK. I still continue to not understand PFFs rankings and how they do this. Right. Um, the I guess the power rank is the Colts are twenty seventh, maybe because they've won games and the Panthers have. I'm trying to figure out why we have power rank offense thirty first when we're like one of the best offense. We're top ten in every category in the NFL. Right, like I every week I pull this up for PFF and I cannot hmm. figure out like how are we. And this is this is like the third time this has been the case where on the categories of defense and offense that the Panthers actually have are ranked according to them higher, but yeah. then the overall ranking is low. So I just don't, none of these make sense to us, but uh, I pulled it up just as a comparison um, because I stupidly pay for the six ninety five for PFF or whatever. And I don't have any other good websites to go to. I guess maybe some of this has to do with strength of schedule as well, uh, that the Panthers have had a little bit harder schedule, I guess they are saying, but, Tell us this: Is the defense? Uh, how has the front, your defensive front, been performing so far? Because the Panthers have been unable to get their running attack going this season. Well, you might get that today. So, or Gosh, today, I like this. I like the way this sounds. CK, we're going look, two in a defense, row. Our defense is look. I, we got some guys. We got some dogs on defense. We do. All right, but Who? we've been hit with Who injuries and suspensions. So. M- one of our best defensive tackles, Grover Stewart, who is a okay. monster, is gone, you know, for another five, 
four or five games okay. right, due to suspension. So that hurts right up the gut. And his missing him beside DeForest Buckner has really opened up spots uh, in the run game. Uh, so that, that, that showed up a lot. Now, granted, how much was that Alvin Kamara last week? Right. As opposed right, right. to one of the greatest running know, backs in the, the league. The of Grove, Cause Alvin is a solid, you know, top three back in the league. So uh, that, that is a problem. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I love our defensive front seven overall though. I think our front seven is one of the best in the league when healthy and they're together. Right. Well, you guys are going to eat. <laughs> Stop. Stop, CK. We're going to get better each week. But, man, our left tackle has been struggling over the last couple of weeks. But Austin Corbett coming back has helped us a lot. All right, let's switch to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the trade deadline came and went for our team. Uh, we were not – strangely, there were some opportunities of people being interested in buying uh, for us, which is odd when you're one in six. Um, I did have a theory that Devontae Adams could be a good addition to this team because not for this year, but for the next two years, it would be the addition of where it would help the team. But we didn't even get into the seller's market. And uh, one of the things that I saw or read was that uh, Zach Moss, a lot of teams were calling up about him. He had just paid after the bizarre events that, you know, surrounded Jonathan Taylor somehow he comes out with a contract that I guess is it, is it not that great of a contract that oh, he got? No. It, it is a very good contract and I expected it from the beginning. So why did it have to be so acrimonious throughout the process? Because national media has got to have a storyline to focus on. Okay. That's what it was. The pup list uh, thing was strange. Even Jonathan though. Taylor came out and said, I want to be an Indianapolis Colt. Chris Ballard came out and said, I want to sign Jonathan Taylor to a contract. This was back after this was back during training camp when all this was getting at its highest. Yeah. Right? When there was the, the national media. Over- Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly. When you place your first wager at Bet MGM, simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code champion 150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Looked all that stuff. They ran with that that Mm -hmm. Ursay quote. Which, you know what, is that, to be honest, and to be fair to Ursay on that, it's the absolute truth. It is. It's like Nothing everybody, the NFL wrong. just will, like, I mean, it doesn't matter. Look, Cam, like, they just come and go over time. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. I mean, should he have said it at the time? Right. Probably not the most not. diplomatic. Probably not. But, you know, uh, nothing he said in in, in, any, in anything. Even when uh, it came out and he was talking about the CBA and the running backs and their agents wanting 
you know, uh, to change the CBA and stuff like that and have a new, and Ursay's like, that ain't happening, you know, and uh, no, it's not, you know, one, one position group wants to get all the owners and the NFLPA together to renegotiate a contract that is already set in stone until like 2026. That ain't happening, you know, and that's all, that's all he said. And everybody wanted to mm. throw that in and say, well, Ursay don't want to re-sign Jonathan Taylor. Taylor's name wasn't even brought up in that, you know. Right. It just happened to have been a coincidence that it was that, you know, uh, it was the running back market that it was being talked about. And it seemed like Jonathan Taylor's agent took uh, exception to that. And and maybe he ran with that narrative, even though Jonathan Taylor's name wasn't mentioned either. Jonathan Taylor never said anything. That agent, he just signed right yeah. before then. And all that agent was doing was trying to get focus on Jonathan Taylor to try to get, I mean, he was doing his job, right? Flat out. He was trying to get Taylor the best contract he could get, whether it was an Indy or somewhere else. And that's all that he was focused on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This is, I I think you guys have an incredible running back room. And I think um, you, what you've done with that running back room is uh, exactly what some of the best and most prolific offenses in the past decade have done. When you look at Alvin Kamara and uh, Mark Ingram, when they were just a two-headed beast, then you had uh, Freeman and uh, Coleman uh, in Atlanta. They were just unstoppable. Chase um, then you Stu had and D'Angelo Williams. Williams we'll you had uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Pollard there in the last couple of years in Dallas before uh, Zeke left. And, and when you see these guys, when there's a sole back that's fo- the sole focus, these guys don't last super long. You can't have everybody that's like Christian McCaffrey. And Christian McCaffrey, uh, clearly when he was here, he was the only focus, and that didn't help his career. He went to went to San Francisco when he wasn't the only guy doing anything, and he's able to, to flourish. Um, I think you guys have a great situation. Um, my, It's always going to be a concern um, with, with Anthony Richardson, um, you know, with the injuries. It seems like it's one of those things that <clears> – <throat> He struggled have, with injury throughout his entire career, he, through college, has, high, like everywhere. If I'm being honest, my fear for him is his his shoulder injury. It's not on his throwing shoulder. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. Cam Newton's entire career was devastated after a shoulder injury. Well, I did talk <clears throat> to Pro Football Doc about that as well, and he yeah. said because it is not a rotator cuff issue, shouldn't be an issue. It should not have any AC. Effect on is that AC ability. joint? Yep. Okay. To follow up on what uh, CK is talking about with these running backs, uh, was it that the did it just come down to the fact that what CK is uh, talking is like have, being able to have this rotation of two really good players was just turned out to be more valuable than the offers that they were getting for Zach Moss? Probably. Because I, I heard like most is a day three pick that yeah, people are offering. Why, why would you do that when – you know, uh, the dude was literally like two weeks ago. He was second in the, I don't know, maybe still second in the league in rushing right now. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, 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 and that's not Jonathan Taylor. That's Zach Moss, right. Yeah. Who even missed week one due to a broken arm. Right. <laughs> so wow, right. why would you do that? Why would you do that? Um, Minshew, man, Minshew magic has got some weapons though. That's what it is. And you struck a lightning in a bottle. With a guy that can catch anything and everything thrown his way in Josh Downs. Tell us a little bit about this rookie. Where did you guys select him? 
And uh, how has he performed to this point? And how is actually this, you know, this might CK, the way he's talking about us on their defense, the scary part is, Oh gosh, they could put up like 40 against us. Too. Yeah. What if this was like a shootout? I would be so happy. Like we haven't had any excitement. That's, here. that's what we want, man. The, the most disappointing thing about this game is not having Anthony Richardson. Like, it, that's that's been that was the highlight it. of this season was that Bryce Young cut. was going to get to go against every single rookie quarterback of the top four, just like you guys were technically because you were going to be facing Bryce Young and, and then the other row, three. Too. Other we two, played yeah. we played Stroud last week. We would have taken Richardson. It just what a great storyline it is. But this Josh Downs kid is just slaying it. Where was he selected at? Third round. CK. I know, mother. <laughs> I know, I know, and that's listen. It's, and Ballard, and ba- when he drafted him, he's like, I think we got to steal the draft. Yeah, and because was, uh, him and Reggie Wayne both said, yeah, that. Reggie Wayne said he thought he was the best receiver best at the entire combat. Yeah, Jeez. I, I wonder. Let me ask you this, because I mean, Ballard seems to get a lot of players in the later rounds. I don't know how he hits on that first round, but he seems to get the 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 players that continue to contribute. Um, all the way through their rookie contract, they start. Um, and even if you want to talk about that linebacker that you guys had to let go to the Giants, um, you know, okay, he's okay. been playing. Well, yeah, Okariki, whatever it was. I remember that from uh, Pat McAfee announcing his uh, his draft yeah, uh, that year. His name, but yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Okariki. <laughs> and uh, but I mean, even with that, like, I mean, this guy was a, a second round, third round. I can't remember exactly where he was drafted, but he's a contributor and he's doing well on the Giants, who's not a great team but uh i mean ballard seems to do a great job of building a team it just seems like bad luck has hit you guys more often than not um do you feel like ballard is continuing with the fact that the success hasn't been there is he next in line to possibly leave the colts or do you think that just because he's been able to hit on these these diamonds in the rough later in the draft that he's going to stick around for a while see that's an interesting that's that is a very heavy question <laughs> among Colts Nation. Okay. You got a very heavy split in the fandom for Indianapolis with the Chris Ballard. Because you look look at it, Chris Ballard, and you go, no division championships. Right. Right. Uh losing overall record, right? Over over the period of time. Uh, you know, can't get a quarterback right. You know, uh so th- there's a lot of push to we need to move on from Ballard. But you look at his drafting. Oh, and free agents. He he doesn't do trades, you know, during, mm-hmm. you know, the trade deadline, doesn't go after anybody. He's boring in that regard. Yeah, he's in, in free agency. He doesn't make any splash signings, you know, during free agency. Or, but when it comes to the draft, he is absolutely a dog, right? He is very, very good. <sighs> Um, that's what I want of our impact players are second and third round players. Yeah. Like that. We know nothing about this. We'll get those fifth rounders like Bobby O'Karake or Zaire Franklin, who right now leads the league in tackles and tackles for losses. He was a seventh rounder, right? (laughs) Jonathan Uh, Taylor. (laughs) Like Jonathan Taylor wasn't like expected to come out here and be the fourth or Jonathan Taylor was a second round pick. Oh, okay. Indianapolis second. Colts actually moved up into the second round to get him. To get him, but like I remember the day it happened, Jim Irsay 
the owner of the Colts, called Chris Ballard. The next pick after the Colts was the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Ursay's like, are you afraid Jacksonville will pick up Jonathan Taylor? Yeah. Don't you like Jonathan Taylor? Yeah. Won't you move up and go get him? Ballard said, that's all I needed to hear. And he went <laughs> traded up three spots and grabbed Jonathan Taylor. We don't know anything about that. Our fourth, our second, third, fourth, uh, anything after the first round for us is usually cut in two years. Um, we got, we got Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor in the second round in the same draft. Yeah, yeah, and and, and so it's, it's 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 incredible. And the funny thing and is, Downs is, is killing it, and you said he was a third, and third we went mango. The the really his the hysterical thing about this is, um, our GM prior to Scott Fitterer was exactly like Ballard outside of hitting in the later rounds of the draft. He was aces in the first round of the draft. That was Marty Herney. He built two championship teams. Well, let's just say one for sure. One championship team. I would give uh, a lot of credit to Herney on that other one too. Right. Yeah. So so he's built in championship caliber teams, but he was never one to go out and get. We never traded. We never went out got and big free agents. got free, got free agents ever. And we, oh, we always got Hall of Fame first round picks. Though. Dude, it was crazy. And it was for 10, 15 years. We had these just first round draft picks that were just hit every single time. Just got you know, 10 years. Peppers, a Panther. You know, Luke, we had uh, gross. just, yeah, gross. Beeson. It was just, I mean, uh, the list just keeps going. Unreal so. list. And, but he couldn't hit in the second, third, fourth, fifth round to save his life. Uh, but he was able, but he didn't do this. He's the same way as Ballard in that regard. And we haven't had that. We haven't had a, a GM since that, who, and that's only Fitterer, who's been able to hit on the first round, second round, third round, fourth round. None of it. It's just, I can't wow. even tell you how many times oh, that it's been, it's been we, awful. How many drafts he's done, and I can't even tell you where the majority of those guys are anymore. Uh, and it just, it hasn't changed since we got uh, Scott Fitter. Diesel skill says a twenty twenty five conditional six pick, six round pick for Colts GM. We'll throw in. Bo rounds and Scott Fitter. Um, all right, uh, we're we're worried about this passing attack because the Carolina Panthers secondary is really beat up, right? Really, really beat up, and, and similar to what you you guys are going through, we're playing with C.J. Henderson, who, even though he's selected in the first round. I, you know what is he has not been awful for the Panthers. No, I know he's uh, been on the ass end of a couple of plays for, but Panthers fans are hard on him. But thank God we got him. In some ways, without him, it would be a miserable. But we've got some problems back there. Hopefully, though, bring him back. I think Xavier Woods is back. He was back last week. We're yeah. gonna have Von and Bell Von back. Bell looks like week. he's gonna be back, so we could be improving in the safety position. So. We'll be watching that matchup too. This could get heated quick. I tell you one thing is not go ahead. How good is Troy Hill? I mean, he's got our only he's got our only interception, doesn't he, of the entire season? He's a kind of uh he's one of those guys that is a veteran player that you add to your team and you're pleasantly surprised with. Right. Is like it's like, man, this guy, you know, you're like, oh, they go and get him and you're like, what the hell is this guy, a 32-year-old, going to do? <laughs> and going to uh, handle Josh Downs? No. No. <laughs> no. Sorry. Yeah. We're going to have to really have a lot of over-the-top help for that. Really, though, here is the thing. This is how we're going to slow your passing attack. We're just going to let your running backs walk through our defensive front, and you won't need to pass. That, that is that what's happened. should have happened last week, but we went away from it. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, you didn't uh, give the ball to Jonathan Taylor in the second half because of the flow of game. So let's uh, let's move to this. Let's talk to quickly, and we'll finish out with this kind of last com. The coaching staffs, right? Is these coaching staffs are interesting because one, I said there was a lot of at the beginning of the show. We said a lot of similarities and or some similarities in storylines from Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young to new coaching staff mm-hmm. uh, with Steichen. And uh, really all of those Eagles coaches have st- impressed me. Even the weird dude in Arizona has performed, outperformed what I expected. And then we have this connection to you with Frank Wright. Um, and maybe I can, I'll start with this is, do you think that Frank Reich worked well in Indy because we kind of feel, I feel like he's just a guy that kind of is just so nice that just gets along with everybody. And, and this is an outside perspective from the Colts. I feel like Ballard's got an ego. And I feel like Frank Wright can work with people that have egos. I think Ballard does have an ego. And in a way, I think he's got to have a little bit of an ego to be a GM. Yeah. Right? And then deal with Ursay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Um, he's, he's not talking anything bad about Ursay on his show. He's like, nope, I love this nope. dude. Well, well, I mean, he's your boss. You yeah. know, he may, <laughs> he writes your paycheck out. You're not going to say something bad about him. I was saying you. <laughs> oh, me? No, I won't say anything bad about Ursay. Other than other than you. sometimes he does say some some things that he Off shouldn't the wall, say. So. You know, yeah. I mean, I I, I like him. Dude. You like him? I, lo- I love oh, I, I, I love him. Look, he's the longest tenured owner in the NFL. Really? Right. Yes. Yes. He is the longest tenured owner in the NFL. And right now he feels like, you know, in history, the longest tenured owners are are the guys that step up for the other owners in general to make things happen in the, in the league. I mean, Snyder would not be gone if it wasn't for Ursay. Yeah. Said we need to get rid of him, you know? And then everything fell in line and Snyder's now gone. So Yeah, it actually took an owner stepping outside of the club yep. kind of sense to make it happen because the uh what's his name is wasn't doing anything. No, no. So look, he's the most relatable owner in the NFL too, by the way. Like he's the oh, most he's absolutely loved by the fans. Yeah. He's loved the most relatable. Like when when you look at a, somebody you could probably walk up to and just have a mm-hmm. conversation with, and he'd oh, yeah. be willing to do it. I don't know that there's any other, like everybody else would be ushered out of there. With I feel like Ursay, he's got the personality where he's going to sit there and talk to you about everything on the under the stars about what's happened, and then like, play a rock seems, concert with. Yeah, him. he's got a heart yeah. of gold. It feels like he actually legitimately loves his players, which I really do believe he does. Oh, I, yeah. I think I think he's probably one of the greatest owners in the NFL. Wow, just based on a lot of those pieces. Yeah, that's yeah, well, why I mean, that's crazy. The outside media, ha- how they're able to. Yeah, they oh, they just they want to crash that. somebody because he had substance abuse issues. Yeah, you know, well, welcome to the world. Ago, you know, which everybody who's ever played in the NFL, like what, 65% of them at least have some kind of substance abuse issues, right? Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. And he I feel like 65% of America has substance probably, abuse issues. Probably, right? But, yeah, he he got over that. It, it, it took its toll on him. It's very obvious, you know, physically, 
that, you know, it took its toll on him, but he's became a very beloved owner uh, with the Colts. With, That's awesome. You know, I mean, you think about he he was willing to pay what twenty five million dollars to send a an orca from one side of the country to the other. You know, just because you know it was the end of end of their lives. Right. Right. I mean, what can't you not love about someone that that would that's willing to put that kind of money out right. for an animal that you don't know even know anything about? You know? Can we also? I think it's also worth agreeing that the Jonathan Taylor situation. If Ursay didn't have to deal with the idea of a cap. I, he would pay every single one of those players as much money as he possibly could. I oh, have yeah, no doubt absolutely. in my mind about it. I don't think it's a matter. A lot of people want to make it out to be like it's these owners against these players. It's not usually there's a salary cap that's involved here that they have to play chess with. Like yep. I just because yeah, this ain't baseball, right? It's it's there isn't this infinite amount of money going around that's going to allow them to just pay every player what they want. If that that was the case, then. Kansas City would be stacked with people across the board because nobody would want to go play anywhere else because they could just chase rings at Kansas City. I don't think that it was ever an issue with with uh, you know Ursay not wanting to pay Jonathan Taylor. It's just a matter of trying to find a way to play chess with the amount of money that he's going to need and the amount of signings they're going to have to have in the next three or four years. I think the biggest value. issue with signing Jonathan Taylor was the fact that uh, you, look, we only won four games last year. And he just came off an high ankle injury uh, surgery, right? Which he still was injured. People, media was trying to pass it off as, oh, he's holding out, but he didn't. He was out there. He was really on the pup list for. Yes. He, okay. I mean, All right. Interesting. Literally, he was. He was legitimately on the pup list, still recovering. I mean, when the Colts gave him an offer to go out and seek a trade, just to kind of see the market, right? Uh, right before the season started. Think about this. When you're on the pup list, you're not allowed to work out for anyone, not even a team, you know, nobody. And you're out here trying to get on, you know, look for a trade partner. If he wasn't hurt, he would have went and took that physical and got off that pup list before he went out there so he could do workouts with for other teams. Right. You know, mm, good point. not being able to do those workouts, that would hold him back. There wasn't a single serious offer from any team in the NFL, not even Miami. Uh, contrary to what you know, reports were said that like Miami never even sent a single offer for Jonathan Taylor because you know don't know what you're getting. You didn't you, know. You Howard to, needed to see it. Yeah, you have to not only make an offer, which is probably going to be more draft capital. You have to then because everybody was clamoring for the Panthers to do this. I'm like, this makes no sense. We literally just got rid of a high dollar uh, running back. And you're asking to send more draft picks than we got for Christian McCaffrey for Jonathan Taylor and pay him more than what we were paying CMC. It's not a, it's not, it makes no logical sense for us non-contenders to be in the running for this. Uh, and, uh, and I get it, man, it, especially when you look at the fact that uh, you still had Dalvin cook out there on the market. There was still the question mark around John, uh, Jacobs. Like there was a Deep lot was of people still out there for a while too. Yeah. I mean, you know? so so it's it was he was unfortunately last year. I remember we were thinking about the upcoming offseason and the amount of players that were going to be uh, free agents, and it was going to be bad for the people. It was never going to be a good offseason for all these running backs because you cannot like you legitimately the when you're flooded with really good running backs, the market's going to crash. It's just the nature of the beast. Unfortunately, your top five guys are going to get paid, and the rest of them are going to eat the yeah. you know what's left and there there ain't much left right. and that that's just how the market works in situations like that yeah absolutely 
What do you think about your new coaching staff? All right, so we have half a new coaching staff. When Shane okay. Steichen came in, he kept all the defensive coaches from the, okay. the previous year that was hired by Frank Reich. Uh, Is so that because going, he's a Frank Reich tree guy? Uh, Wasn't Steichen? Was Steichen? No, no, no Steichen it's not Steichen. And Frank Reich knew each other from San Diego. They coached together uh, for two years. Okay. It was uh, uh, my Paisan, the guy, the Sirianni that was with Frank Reich, yes. right? Okay. Yeah, Sirianni was under Frank Reich uh, here in Indy. And, you know, so there, it's like a big triangle yeah, <laughs> right yeah. there. Um, There's always incest in coaching. Oh, my goodness. You're absolutely right. But that's how you get some really good tree lines, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah definitely. It is what it is. Uh, I love Steichen. Uh, you as, do? As a play designer, he is freaking amazing. I, uh, this year, I have seen things I have never seen before. Like multiple plays. I have never, not even in college, seen. You know, And I'm like, this is, this is pretty impressive. And they work. And now the, my biggest issue with Shane Steichen is he will find himself going away from the run way too early. He is a, he, he loves to pass the football. Loves. Yeah. It doesn't have a coordinator in their heart, but when you got an offensive line, the way the Colts have and the running back room that you have, you utilize it. That is John Fox in there. Is it John Fox a coach for you guys? No. He no, was who? a couple years ago. He was a a. Uh, Who's he with uh, now? Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, Fox was a uh, an assistant. Oh, he's with the Lions guy that kind of just gave his opinions on stuff. Yeah, he's with the Lions now. That's what. It yeah, is. yeah. Uh, you guys need John Fox in there telling you to run the ball ninety eight percent of the time. <sighs> it would probably help you guys right now, but uh, so happy with Steichen. Now, the one we got to ask. Frank Reich. We were so... Look, look, we came into this season putting an um, undue amount of expectation on our rookie quarterback and this coaching staff. Why? Because we had just exited a shit show of a coaching staff who had no NFL experience uh we also then had been walking through a desert of quarterbacks so we've got this experienced superstar staff in our mind we thought we got this brand new shiny toy in Bryce Young and it has not gone well and uh what recently and just right before the Panthers first win Frank Reich passed the play calling on to Thomas Brown Reminiscing a little bit of what happened in Philadelphia when Sirianni passed it on to um, Steichen. But at the same time, this one really felt like it was because things were so bad. What do you think about Frank Reich? Is I would have never in my CK and I've been talking about this is in my I never in the world. I never had in my bingo on my bingo card at the beginning of the season that he could be a one and done coach. I don't think there's actually a a reality that could happen. What do you think about Frank Reich and what he can, how he can perform in Carolina, maybe pass this year? Well, Frank Reich is very heavy analytical. 
right? He, he, he relies, uh, you probably know this by now, right? Very, very analytical guy. Uh, doesn't go with his gut nearly as much as you'd like him to. Okay. Uh, he started to learn how to do that the last two years of Indy. Because uh, before that, it was all analytical. Oh, 59% says, go ahead and do this. You go for it, you know, on fourth down at your own 42. Uh, <laughs> you know, things of right. that nature. Um, like the Chargers guy. Yeah. So here's here's the deal. It's going to take time. I like Frank Reich. He's a great players coach. Okay. Um, he's got a good offensive mind. A very good offensive mind, and he's got a feel for when he's focused on the game and not making the play calls. When he's not having to worry about the play calls, did he make all the really play good. calls? Did he make the play calls? He in made Indy? all the play calls in Indy, but like on deep, you can see his time management when the defense is on the field as opposed to when the offense is on the field. Right? Yes, time yes, he's had problems. Like he had. Pro- it looked like, and I and I hate to say that is because he felt it felt like he was a slightly underwater, overwhelmed. Yes, and yeah. uh, this I think is a positive move for him to step back. But you can see it on his face; he doesn't want to. No, he won't. You know, I mean, if you've been pulling the trigger, so to speak, you know, for the last how many years, right? Right and now, you're handing the gun to you know you're a, you, the guy to your right i mean that's something you don't want to do you know uh so i so this move could benefit us to, but he needs to right? it, it's a situation he he coaches better when the play calling isn't on it he still can draw up the plays he can still you know help make the game plan you get all that stuff situated prior to the games things of that nature i think he's he's good at all that but he needed to find someone he could trust to 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 make the play calls and you know he never he had that in indy and siriani but then siriani right off to you know philly so you know didn't have that no more this makes me feel good ck <laughs> right like is that I mean, do you are you taking this in a positive way because i was worried that it was like this is was falling off the rails already but this might save frank reich like it saved siriani i mean you never know dude like i if it can and it can put us in a position to to be better i mean i think that's one of the things that a head coach is intended for is to be a manager of the game and if he is analytical like he talks about like he was talking about it in his press conference after the game. This was a change of pace for him because he was able to actually talk with the guys up top about analytics, think about the, the game five steps ahead as opposed to what's next on the plate, right? I think that's exactly what you need from a head coach. You need to be thinking about, okay, so this is working. This isn't working. What can we do if we get to this situation? You can think about three different scenarios at once without worrying about whether or not. Instead the, of being the, so like, caught up right. in that exact moment, thinking ahead. Exactly. And, you know, we saw this, Lawrence, is that there were there's been, you know, I almost think that Frank Reich's too honest, too. Like he just says exactly what happened. And you almost need to, um, you know, you don't have to lie, but lying through a mission could be okay sometimes. So he says, I played, you know, it was like, oh, that was on me. He was like, I mean, he does, which I like that he falls that he's falling the sword for everybody. He was like, yeah, I called a play that was specifically for Adam Thielen. He wasn't on the field. And we're like, he did that with us too. Yeah. 
Um, or and but you don't got to tell him that. You could just say it was a miscommunication, right? Or yeah. what was the other one, CK? Oh, he forgot Terrace Marshall Jr. was on the team. <laughs> uh, that one was a fun one, but yeah, you don't have to say you don't want to share all the information because it makes you look really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get like I'm a oversharer too. I'm too honest sometimes, and that can, you know, sometimes at least you know where you stand. Um, all right, well, that's kind of cool stuff with Frank Reich. And uh, I didn't have, oh, I did have, was there any other question? There was one other thing I wanted to ask about Frank Reich, but now it's escaping me. Um, that does make it sound good that him taking a step back could be good for the development of him as a coach. I think if he would have had the ability, if, if Shane Steichen hadn't went to Philly and he was able, or yeah, or not Shane Steichen, sorry. If, Nick Sirianni. Thank you. So many guys are coaches now. We got Matt Eberflus that left the Colts and became a head coach, and Sirianni. And just, but Sirianni's a paisan. He's an Italian kid. That's yeah, what we yeah. like about him. So if he had still had Sirianni, I think he would have probably passed it on to Sirianni. Right? Colts fans were clamoring, clamoring for it. We could see it. We was like, look, you have too much on your table. You know, we knew he needed to give up the play calling. You know, not that he was doing bad in play calling. It's just it was affecting his his ability to manage the game. The team. The team. Yes, the whole thing. You know? I agree. Good. And this makes me feel awesome, CK. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I said, it's it's that's what I'm I'm hoping that this is uh gonna continue to be a positive. Um, you know, so I think uh I, I like like I said, I'm not ready to write off Frank Reich's uh Carolina Panthers uh head coaching future. Um, quite honestly, I think that he could be this being this move could very well propel him into what his head coaching career should have been in Indianapolis. It's a good possibility. And you also got to remember, look, all right, you got a bunch of bunch of young guys and bunch of guys thrown together that are just meeting each other for the first time in this past year, right? They all got to get to know each other. You know, I Frank's got to understand, you know, the quarterback fully 100%. The quarterback's going to understand his offensive line and his receivers and all this stuff. It, this isn't something that just snap. Yeah, overnight, but the NFL you know? doesn't wait very long. I, I know. And, but I mean, even if it's wrong, year, right? You need yeah, to give You know, he year. brought it up that he was still getting to know the staff. Yeah. Like exactly. while he believes in these guys and he, right. He's like, mm-hmm. I hired some people that I haven't worked with, you know? And so they're like, it's like their habits and their style or mm-hmm. they're learning. So that's a great point. All right, uh, man, we're approaching an hour. So man, thank you so much, man. You've been so generous with your time, Lawrence. I know you have a ton going on on your own podcast and your own. Uh, I hope your wife recovers swiftly, by the way. Um, can you tell our fans how they can find your work because what they'll do is they're going to go and track your stuff down over the next couple of days. And uh, they're, they're consumers. The people that listen to our show are the ones that listen to everything. Like we got, we don't got the casual. They're the ones that go and they'll be like, well, did you see this guy in the background of this picture? So they're going to come to your podcast. They're going to listen to your stuff Tell them where they can find it, what you're talking about, when the next episode's coming out, or what you guys are doing for the game, after the game, next week and beyond. So you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Colts underscore law and Instagram. But I generally, and I'm not on Instagram nearly as much as I'm on Twitter. 
my YouTube channel is Lawrence Owen, spelled just like this. But you could type in Believe in Colts or Colts Law. Uh, you will find my stuff. I do a lot of film rooms. Uh, oh, nice. I got uh, my my co-host as a former starting NFL guard. And uh, in, in, in so uh, I've had lots of co-hosts. I've had Dequell Jackson as my co-host. I had Rodney McLeod last year was my co-host. He's starting safety for the Colts. Uh, now he's a starting safety for the Browns. And <laughs> yeah. So that that was an interesting situation, right? My my former co-host was playing against me two weeks ago, and I was like, "Don't hurt my guys, God!" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Pick up yeah. my phone, texting him, "Hey, man!" You know? <laughs> yeah, go easy on him. But uh, yeah, we will definitely be getting into a lot. It's Wednesday. I generally start getting heavily into the week on a Thursday. Okay. Right. So starting tomorrow, I will be having a bunch of stuff. Starting out Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, on my channel uh, for uh, Believe in Colts and Colts Law, uh, breaking down the upcoming games. Um, so this this was fun. I appreciate you. We might need to get him up with Cody next week to do a crossover film review. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. I right. mean, to be able to do a, a breakdown of uh, all of it, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, uh, you're kind of looking look- at what happened from both sides of the ball on some stuff. That would be yeah. awesome. All right, man. Thank you so much, Lawrence. This is the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com, where we're here every live every Tuesday night. We're in our 11th year. Haven't missed a week yet. Um, now, we've had to move it a couple of days and shift it around every now and then. But the C3 Panthers podcast is rocking and rolling for you guys. We do it because uh, this is the community that we love to hang out with. We do it for fun. And uh, we appreciate everybody's time and listening. CK, thanks, man, for taking the time out. Lawrence, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Let's get the heck out of here. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.